We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Dove Valley Deep Divers, or, you know, morning or afternoon, if you're listening to this after the fact. Lance, unfortunately, had some personal stuff come up. He's not able to join me tonight, but instead, we get this pretty face opposite me in Nick Kendall. Uh, I'm talking about the Broncos head behind you. That, that's oh, the pretty face. So, Nick, how's it going, man? Doing pretty well. Have some uh, pretty nice weather here the last few days. Work's been kicking my butt since I got back from my vacation, but in my heart, I'm still out in Yosemite rocking the uh, Yosemite hat today. I'm, uh, as you can tell by the collection behind me, I like to collect ball caps. I don't need to tell you about collecting things based on your background, but I like to, you know, go to the national parks. I always get like a coaster, a mug, a magnet, and a hat. I have a hat from every single uh, baseball stadium I've ever been to as well. So even a Cubs hat, and I hate the Cubs, but like had to keep it going. Uh, So yeah, no, I'm doing pretty well. Enjoyed my time out in Yosemite and uh, getting excited. The mother-in-law is coming next week, and I know it's always a joke about the mother-in-law, but I really like my mother-in-law. So uh, excited <laughs> for her to come and uh, hang out with uh, me, myself, and uh, expecting pregnant wife, you know, everything like that. Yeah, Mother-in-law is always good for the when the wife or the lady is expecting. Always good to have them around. But uh, it's funny, you, you collected baseball caps well before Funko Pops and Lego sets. Back when I was a teenager, it was ball caps. I had about 150 of them that I had to get away, get rid of eventually. But, you know, we're not here to talk about collecting things. We're not here to talk about baseball caps. We're here to talk about Broncos football. And unfortunately, through two weeks, it has not gone as, you know, we, any of us expected. I don't think sitting at this point after two weeks, neither you or myself were expecting Denver to be 0-2. Oh, no way in heck. I mean... The big picture is that the Broncos lost two games that they were very much in. And I bet if you looked at the win prediction in that, there's probably some point in the game when the Broncos were favored by 60% or so, you know, like this, they've 60, 70%, like they are games that they should have walked away with. So uh, unfortunately sitting there at zero and two, I mean, that's the margins in the NFL, right? This team still doesn't know how to win, uh, but the offensive scheme looks good. Uh, I think Sean Payton is, playing over the head of the talent on the offense. Can't say the same about the defense with the scheme right now. And they at least Russell Wilson looks like a, an above average quarterback. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks so far this year haven't looked 
amazing. Um, and I'm, I'd probably say, you know, he's playing at a top 10 level right now in the structure of the offense yeah. itself. Um, maybe 12, but uh, yeah, overall, um, not expecting to be Owen two. probably going to be Owen three after this Miami game. Uh, Justin Simmons outs the big news there, uh, which is unfortunate. Frank Clark also out. So Broncos losing some guys out there, but, um, uh, it is rough. But long season to go, and we'll take it game by game. And big picture, I feel like I still feel better about the direction uh, overall. So before we get in, get the super chat here that we have sitting here, I just got to say, it's funny you mentioned the win probability. Um, did you not see the Washington Commanders tweet? No. At one point, it was like 96.3% for Denver. Oh, yeah. And Washington tweeted out, like, just how we drew it up. No, I didn't like, see it. Like, it, it, was, it was pretty funny to see. But Troy Boer coming in, good friend of the show, and I believe all shows, coming in yes. with the $9.99 donation. Thank you, Troy. We appreciate that so much. He says, hey, guys, hope Turner Yell, Benito, Mathis, Henningsen can all step up this week. So 2022 draft seems better. Also want more Mims, Sanders, Moss, and Skinner for the first time. It's youth time. I don't necessarily disagree with this like obviously i hope that despite my opinions on the 2022 draft class i still want them to exceed we saw the flashes of benito as a pass rusher last week he had like a four play series as a pass rusher that was absolutely insane still has a lot of work to go as a run defender mathis gotta turn it around like he has to like dudes allowed 15 or 15 uh, completions and what three touchdowns now over two games, like not what you want, especially somebody opposite opposite Sertan. Turniel, he's going to be stepping into some big shoes. Got a glimpse of it last week, and it wasn't the prettiest. Henningsen's just a solid rotational guy, and that's kind of what we're getting out of him. I'll be curious to see, though, of all these names, if we do see Sanders on the field more, because we saw him a couple times early in the game against Washington, then we didn't see him anymore. And if Riley Moss finally gets to see the field, they didn't put him on injured reserve, which means that they do we're expecting him back sometime in the first four games. It's week three. Maybe now he's had a little bit of time to get back into football shape and, you know, get ready to be out there on the field. Yeah, certainly possible. Uh, seeing more of the uh, 2023 class would be great. Uh, I mean, I don't know if by snap total we're going to see more Mims uh, just because Jerry Judy's working back from injury and from going back and watching the game and really focusing on it. I mean, Sutton is getting open, man. They, they need to actually target him. Russell Wilson needs to target him. I don't know if they need to make him the first read more, but I think uh, walking away from the numbers compared to what I watched on the tape, I thought Sutton looked better uh, than what the output was. So uh, not sure about more snaps from Mims. Moss is interesting for sure. I am very curious to see what the rotation will be with Moss out there, uh, just because with how Mathis has been struggling on the boundary, but still a physical cornerback and the injuries you have at safety, maybe you see Moss uh, playing the boundary more. Mathis may be some slot usage and uh, Bassey moved back to safety. I know that with Simmons out with, uh, you know, the three safety stuff, we saw Bassey getting some work there at safety last week. We saw it in preseason as well. Maybe they're interested in moving Mathis. I don't know about you, but coming out, I thought Mathis kind of was a cornerback, but also had some safety slot ability as well, given his physicality. Uh, so maybe that's something we see this week when the, with the Broncos down so many bodies uh, in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, you definitely raise a good point. When I felt when Mathis was coming out, I liked him at corner, but I felt he was more of a defensive back, a versatile guy that you can move around a little bit. Um, but and at this point, you got to you got to figure something out with him. Um, I Moss as well. I mean, you can do a little bit. There was always that question of is he a corner in the NFL? Is he a safety? So they definitely have their options in front of them with what they can do with this with the secondary to try to get things turned around. Got to find something. 
because really as good as Patrick Sertan has, if you don't have somebody opposite him to take advantage of the extra targets, you're not fully taking advantage of what you have in Patrick Sertan. Uh, Broncos, Broncos country knows that firsthand, right? We saw it for years with Champ Bailey. It was the Lenny Walls experiment. It was the Dre Bly experiment. It wasn't until the Leighton great Darren Williams where you had a flash of maximizing that number one uh, cornerback in Champ Bailey. That's the thing about good passing attacks and good offenses, right? If you have like an inexperienced quarterback, then, you know, there were one that's, you know, out there flailing around a tad, then you can't really take advantage of that at much. But if you're against any good scheme or any good quarterback, they're going to essentially isolate and scheme out your number one cornerback, which is still an advantage schematically mm -hmm. for your team. Uh, but then they can just continually pick on the other guys. I, I have memories of like Lenny walls against Peyton Manning. And it's like 16 targets for him and just getting absolutely obliterated. I feel bad for the guy at that point. And that's kind of where I'm at right now with uh, Damari Mathis. So going to be tough. I did want to shout out again to Troy Bauer coming in for the 999. Really, really helpful. And circle back to one thing you mentioned. Skinner, do you expect a much bigger role for Skinner in this game, or is it still going to be Turner Yell uh, taking over that uh, safety spot with Justin Simmons now out with the hip injury? I wouldn't see, be surprised if we see Skinner take the field a little bit. I wouldn't expect a large role with him. I mean, I'm fully expecting it to be mostly Delaren Turner Yell and Kareem Jackson, who for some reason wasn't suspended, um, basically manning, down, manning the safety position. Um, and then, you know, maybe every now and then, get Skinner out there on the field, see what he has a little bit. Dylan Von Ark saying, up, Broncos country. Dylan, thank you so much for being here, running stuff behind the scenes, helping moderate the chat. Zach Powers saying, afternoon, fellas. Zach Powers actually had another question, and since you're here, you and I have discussed this guy a little bit. Going to step away from Broncos football. We're going to go to college football for a minute. Listen, we all know it's way more fun to be there live for Denver Broncos football, and when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Denver Broncos and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat with a wide selection of tickets available for every game. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors, that beautiful orange and blue. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Denver Broncos. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Uh J.J. McCarthy is not an NFL quarterback. I was a few weeks ago prior to the season. I made a comment about J.J. McCarthy where I just don't see an NFL quarterback in him. And that I didn't see it. I didn't see it last year. I haven't watched a whole lot of him this season. So maybe he has changed a little bit. Maybe the issues that I had with him that made me felt that way is not there. But going off of what, last, what I saw last season, I just don't see it with him. And I know, Nick, that you have a different opinion than um, McCarthy than I do. I mean, he's just a baby. Right. Like he was born in 2003. He's just 20, 19 years old right now. The reps, there's not a lot of reps right now for him. If you're comparing him to like Michael Penix or Bo Nix, who are probably, you know, 30 years old as prospects this year, uh, not not 30, but much older with more reps, um, then it's I'm intrigued by the tools with J.J. McCarthy. I see a lot of from a traits perspective. I honestly see a good bit of uh, Jay Cutler in him. I think that arm is live. Uh, he is built pretty well, but he makes some boneheaded plays. And Michigan's not even like really going to be tested until they play at Penn State. But McCarthy is definitely one that if the draft was today, somebody would take him in the first round because of the traits, because of the tools. Uh, so definitely wait and see on him. Uh, he's a talented guy. It's just he's almost in too cushy of a situation because that Michigan offensive line is probably the best in college football. They probably have the best running back duo in football. So he can just, you know, easy play action stuff. And, but some of the throws in the first two games were amazing. Bowling green was looked like JJ McCarthy of last year. So wait and see uh, on him. He's a talented kid. The arm talent there, the athleticism, the proof, the sizes there, but he's young. He's still getting reps. Yeah. My, my biggest thing is just, I didn't realize he was as young as he was. Um, that was one thing that I missed when I looked over him um, last, last December, last winter anyways. Um, but it's definitely still the football aspect of it the reading the defenses those things that he's not always getting challenged with in college football elias coming in saying you guys keep cutting out not sure what that is um with facebook um maybe try just refreshing and coming back sometimes that helps um not sure if that'll help we'll fix it for you but it's worth a shot michael ronquillo coming in with some facebook stars saying good evening eric and nick on the dove valley drivers go broncos and buckham thank you michael for joining us we appreciate it week in week out we also have Phil coming in. Good evening, Eric and Nick. I'm hoping McGlinchey and Powers finally live up to their contracts. I also want to see McLaughlin get more involved. Hashtag Buckham, hashtag Go Broncos. Yeah, this is this is one of the things for me is I really liked Ben Powers. And like I know that the whole offensive scheme in with the Ravens was really weird. But when you looked at true pass sets, which kind of like to a degree takes away the scheme out of it, he did extremely well. Not so much this year, but he's still being a really good run blocker for the Broncos this year. So at least we have that, but it's still not worth the contract. As for McGlinchey, he's just looking 
Not saying he is a bust. He's just looking that way. Two games in, still plenty of time left for him to bounce back. They need him to bounce back. Yeah, he's been poor. Uh, McGlinchey specifically through two games, but man, pretty really tough matchups. And now we got uh, Bradley Chubb coming back, uh, playing against Denver, who hasn't been great with Miami so far. But last week uh, was six pressures, two sacks. I mean, he looked pretty damn good against the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. So definitely following that. Powers, the thing about that Ravens team, it's not even so much scheme. It's that how much teams have to account for Lamar's ability that you have to rush the and play the pocket completely different. Like you have to play through the blockers, which, you know, you don't have to move as much or yeah. be as good of an athlete because you have to be able to account for so much. So it's much more of a pocket crunching conservative approach. A lot of times when you're playing Lamar, which makes those true pass sets harder to evaluate. I mean, the situation wise from yeah. the Ravens is the same, but how the defense is approaching it, I believe with a guy like Lamar Jackson is different, which makes it hard. But uh, I think we got a lot of time to turn it around still. And they better. I mean, all three of the Broncos big signings this off season, I think have been underwhelming. I mean, Zach Allen is other than that tackle for loss in that first game hasn't really stood out for me compared to what you are paying him. Uh, so hopefully it gets a little bit better there from those guys. McGlinchey had some tough assignments. We got 15 games left. We can say that they haven't been, up to their contracts yet without saying the horrible worst signings of yeah. all times. Just, it's yeah. just where we're at. We want to see more and uh, we can get more. So I'm not too worried about that. As far as seeing McLaughlin more involved, it would be great to see McLaughlin more involved. I am just curious about how many touches are actually available. And that said, I feel, I feel like maybe the Broncos shouldn't have gone away from the run as much as they did in the second half against the commanders. I almost got the name wrong on that one, uh, but uh, more touches involved, but like even Javante, I feel like it's not getting as many touches as I'd like. I mean, who are you taking away from here uh, to do that? Are you running more up-tempo? Can Russell Wilson get the plays in to run more up-tempo and get more plays in? I mean, I I don't know if, if I'd like them to go with a hot hand here, uh, but I just don't know who if you're taking away from P. Ryan or Willie, uh, Javante if you are getting McLaughlin more involved. Yeah, my biggest issue when it comes to the run game is that this whole offense, they built it up to be a heavy run offense, and they're not. They're using you know the quicker passing game which i'm not complaining about per se but you built up you went out and got a really strong run blocking guard you went and got a really strong run blocking tackle and for all of that mcglinchy's issues issues he's done at least decently well as a run blocker but you're not you're not focusing on being that that run heavy team that they even talked about being for so long during the offseason which I understand that a little bit against the Washington Commanders because after the first few carries, like the first four carries is where like 80% of Javante Williams' rush yards came from, something like that. And then they just really shut down the run from then on. Um, with that defensive front, I understand you want to get the ball out quickly. You don't want to run into the teeth of that defense. But the Raiders game, like they were had a significant issue against the run and Denver started to go away from it. Um, that's my bigger concern. I would like to see McLaughlin get um, involved more. I'd like to see the run game be utilized more and really go into being a heavy run offense and letting Russell Wilson do his stuff after that or in complimentary to that because that is what he did best in Seattle. And it has been very clear that Russell Wilson, what we need to do is continue treating him as we are, which is a lot like the quarterback he was in Seattle. To add to that point, too, they need to protect him physically uh, just yeah. because he got and this is a credit to Washington's defensive line talent. I mean, not many defenses out there are going to support 
four first round picks with uh, those two interior guys being pretty damn phenomenal. Probably the best interior line duo in football in uh, Payne and Allen there. But I mean, looking at PFF in this Washington game, 37 total pressures, eight sacks, eight hits, 21 hurries. I mean, you need to probably run the ball more just to give him a, his body a break. I mean, I, I, you cannot play the way they did this last game and expect the 34 year old Russell Wilson's body to hold up. Uh, so using the run game to kind of limit the aggression of the pass rushers and just take away less volume because I mean, he got obliterated and some of that's on him. I'm not saying that it's not because he yeah. held on the ball. I think he had the longest average time to throw it of any quarterback in the league last week but just taking that snaps away from him, protecting him um, from that. It's, it's just not sustainable. He's going to break if you get keep keeps getting hit like that. And one thing is for sure, after seeing him in the preseason, we do not want Jared Stidham out there on the field. He was um, in that third game. I wanted to say hello to Ernie Mays quick <laughs> first. I love always Ernie's comment on all my hiking photos, and he says, but go Broncos only. I'm like, well, I'm wearing my Hawkeye stuff, but uh, <laughs> yes, go Broncos only. Appreciate you, Ernie. Addison comes in with the $4.99 donation. Thank you, Addison. Uh, new name for Friday nights, at least. Um or at least I believe so. If they lose this week, best thing is the Cowboys giving us two firsts for PS2, in my opinion. Need one of those quarterbacks this year, time to start over. This is a interesting conversation, I think, of the value of Patrick Sertan. Now, after this season, he's eligible for an extension, and he's probably going to hold out and ask to be paid as one of, if not the highest corner paid corner in the NFL. Where... It, with the Broncos and the situation they are in is that is keeping him more valuable with that in mind, more valuable than those two first round picks. I think so right now, just because he is a very young, talented player and you still have two and a half years of control on him. He is young and he is a positive amplifying effect. I think from a professional and uh, just culture standpoint in that team. The other thing is that I don't know where the Cowboys are going to be picking right now. And I think that if they want to make that move, they need to pay a premium. So I think it needs to be like two ones and two twos, uh, maybe even like quarterback price to get him because everybody's for sale, right? For the right price. I mean, again, yeah. unless you have any non quarterback is technically for sale for the right price uh, because you can only trade three years worth of picks and Mahomes is worth way more than that. And it's probably Herbert and Burrow and Allen, but I digress. So like they'd have to pay way overpay uh, for me to even be, in consideration with those two and a half years of control with Sertan. Now, if you're talking about a team that's in the off season, you're looking to rebuild and a team that has a top 10 pick is looking to get you and they're going to send you another one on top of it. That's fine. But how much value actually is two first? If one of those first is 30 and next year's 26, that's, that's not that valuable. Uh, so uh, I think that you probably sit on that unless they are like way overpaying. Like I'm talking like one, two, three this year, one and two next year maybe even like a, a fifth or something like I, I want them. I want quarterback price for Sertan. And if that's unreasonable, well, it's unreasonable. You're asking for him like right now. That's where I'm at with it. Make little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day order online during our pizza, pizza pregame one hour before NFL games and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and that's that's actually exactly where I am. Like I've gone back and forth on this. Like I understand the point of getting those extra firsts, but if it is a team like the Cowboys who are looking at picking somewhere 25 up with the way they're going, 20 up, whatever, then no, like I'm gonna want more than those two firsts. I, I'll probably be starting off asking for three in a couple seconds. Like I want that high price tag for Patrick Sertan. He's extremely good. Um like one of the best corners, if not the best corner in the NFL, especially with at his age. Like, and then you have that whole thing of like, you're trading out a for sure excellent corner with all the issues that you have at the cornerback position already in Denver mm-hmm. for some maybe draft picks. And like, I get that draft picks, you know, the lottery tickets, cash them in. I get that. But Patrick Stan still to me just brings more value. Naj coming in with a twenty dollars donation. Thank you, Naj. Um, hope to see you at the meet and greet, Naj. I mean, it was great. See, been great seeing you the last two years. Nick will be there this year, so hey, you'll get a chance to meet Nick too. Um, very entertaining guy, Nick. Like or Naj is Nick. Like super entertaining, um, fun and energetic. Um, hope to see you there. Um, hope to see everybody else in the chat there. It's October twenty second. It's a game against the Green Bay Packers. Um, I believe the majority of the mile high huddle staff will be there all the podcasters along with a lot of the writers but anyways Nosh comes in saying hey brothers earlier this week i had lost all hope over the last couple of days the hope and belief is back i believe this will be peyton vj and i can never pronounce the special teams guy's last name best game and i and i expect a pushing punishing ground attack we will win i hope so like i went with a astronomical score for the dolphins partially because it wasn't looking good for justin simmons to play and kareem jackson hasn't been great i have questions about the depth at safety i have a hard time seeing them stop this offense of my of miami who they're not really getting stopped by opposing defenses more so than they're shooting themselves in the foot They've had like 20 drives and like four of them have ended with them either missing a f- or more than that. It's been closer. It's like six or seven missing field goals, blocked field goals and turnovers. Like they are shooting themselves in their own foot a lot of the time um, to stop themselves. So I just have a concern if Vance Joseph can write the track or write the train on with the defense in this week after what after the complete breakdown that we saw against the commanders without his biggest leader on the defensive side of the ball if Jalen waddle plays or not it's going to have a big impact on the game uh, i did see a comment in here about asking about where do the dolphins go if it's their number two if waddle is out and i mean just you know looking at the roster you know everybody's favorite river craycrafts out there braxton barrios their tight ends are i mean more body inline kind of guys you know durham Smythe, tyler croft so uh without waddle out there i think the weapons are actually pretty 
mediocre out there. And maybe you really, I mean, maybe you do even with Sertan double or like, you know, man coverage with shade over Hill just to try to take him out. Uh, if Waddle's out, if Waddle's in, then, you know, good luck with all that. But I, I mean, if I was Miami, I probably wouldn't be playing Waddle against Denver. You're up two and zero already. And Denver looks struggling. I mean, be conservative with that guy, especially given what Miami's dealt with in uh, the concussion department mm-hmm. over the last uh, season. So we'll be interesting to see, but yeah, this is going to be a tough game with Simmons out and maybe the Broncos going three. Uh, we'll see. I think that they got to be aggressive with Hill. Um, Sertan, I know it's hard. It's always messing with fire if you play aggressive with him, but take away to his first read and then bet that he's going to have a harder time getting through his second and third. And hopefully by that time, getting after him. Uh, I think that's really the only way you can win this game on top of also keeping up in a offensive output kind of uh, performance from the from Broncos offense. Yeah, one thing with Hill is that Denver over the years, they have done a lot to limit him statistically. He has never had a, over a 75 yards receiving against the Broncos. He's had multiple double-digit catches, catch games, but has never broken 75 yards. He only, he only averages... Um, less than a touchdown a game like uh he hasn't statistically lit up the broncos the issue has been for years it was always seeming like when the kansas city chiefs needed to play there was hill there was hill wide open and that he was just not necessarily being taken out but being limited because patrick mahomes was patrick mahomes for so many years and finding somebody else um and then when i was watching the dolphins we dolphins this game or the dolphins games this week how quickly Tua looks his way. You got to take him out right away, as you said. You got to play aggressive with Patrick Sertan. You can't let him get, let Hill get off the line cleanly because Tua gets rid of the ball quickly. He's got one of the highest, fastest times, average times to throw. And his first read is Hill. Even when Waddle's in the game, Hill is typically the first guy he's looking at. And then he's zooming over to where Waddle is, given, you know, that little bit extra time for Waddle to, you know, attack deep. Um, so you got to figure it out without Waddle. And if you can limit Hill, the rest of the weapons on that offense aren't great, as you were saying, especially at wide receiver. But if Waddle is playing, like it's it's going to be a very long day. Probably. Pearl Heater coming in. Pearl Heater coming in on Facebook saying hi. And we also have Gary Palmer coming in with a $9.99 donation saying, hey, Eric and Nick, I'm in for the long run. I hope to see improvement this week. Go Broncos and Buckham. I hope to see improvement as well this week. Nick, what is one of the big improvements you want to see against the Dolphins? Penalties. The Broncos lead the league in defensive penalties so far this season, and they're not talented enough, taking the ball away enough, creating explosives on the defense to live with the amount of boneheaded penalties that they've had. So they need to play far more disciplined on that side of the ball and not give away free yards because, God, if you give – Miami a chance let's say a third down that they don't convert but then they do because of a penalty they're gonna they're gonna make you pay I mean you just cannot do that you got to be able to do that so penalties for me is the uh, the big one that I want to see improvements on this week you just we can't live with it we're not talented enough on that side of the ball to have that rate of penalties so I'm gonna go penalties was my big one but I'm gonna go just to be a little bit different from you I'm gonna go with on the offensive side of the ball better time management and this falls on the coaches it falls on Russell Wilson um, it's not just getting the plays in earlier so you can get to the line so you're not wasting timeouts. But there were multiple times in both games so far, later in the game or even later in the first half, where the Broncos were just getting slow to the line or were slow getting to the line, just letting a lot of time run off the clock that shouldn't have been. 
Um, it was a situation where against the commanders, maybe you don't have to rely on a Hail Mary to try to get that touchdown to get the two extra point or the extra point conversion to tie it. Um, so I just want to see that better management of the clock, which is very surprising to see it. It's not a significant issue. It's not as big of an issue as it was last year. Like, don't get me wrong. It's definitely improved from last year. But with Sean Payton being as experienced as he is, it is still a bit surprising to see it be as much of an issue as it is. I mean, you can just listen to him talk about it, though. You, he'll tell you where the blame lies. He's frustrated yeah. with the quarterback <laughs> getting it in and whatnot. And we've heard a lot of conversation about, you know, guys being substituted in with the play calls like we're, you know, high school, middle school football because Wilson's hard has a hard time with the verbiage. Granted, that's a very hard thing to do. You know, like the, the memorizing all of that, going to the 15 call plays, and then it's easy. It's better for your quarterback to do that than to have every single guy on the offense have to know uh, what the assignment is based on shorter verbiage. So, it's hard, uh, no doubt, but that's something that hopefully they do see improvement on this week. You know what? I want to see a defensive freaking turnover, too. God bless it. GGG coming in saying, good evening, gentlemen. I'm happy it's the weekend. I'm happy, too, GGG. Malcolm Brown's in the house, too, saying hello from Homer, Alaska. Our guy Gary Fire saying we need Carson Strong. I don't know, what's Carson Strong up to these days? Who knows? Uh, but uh, that's uh, the pride of Nevada out there. Um be interesting to see how it plays out this season uh, for uh, Carson Strong if he's out there. And was he the back? Is he still a Philly? I, I don't even know, Eric. I know that uh, a lot of people liked him. In that um, I didn't he go to coaching? I'm I think he's. I, I think he's coaching at Colorado State. Wait, underneath his head coach, that'd be. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure. Cool I'm pretty sure he's doing something. He's an offensive assistant coach for or something like that. Wait, is Nick tall or short? Nick is six foot, six foot one. Uh, so I, I think it's probably just the, uh, the camera angle here. Eric's a little bit higher up on that, but, uh, I typically like to, you know, show off the, uh, the Bronco there behind me. So, uh, I, I also know. almost have 200 pounds on Nick. So it makes me seem bigger too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Episode, uh, no, no comments on that. Um, but, uh, he's trying to notice YouTube conference press conferences. VJ never shows his face until it's game time. He's been out there in press conferences and stuff too. It's just Sean Payton is definitely more on the, the front end of that. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see how it plays out for the Broncos and Vance Joseph. He's already, you know, I feel kind of bad for him because he's already on such a short uh, end of patience for Broncos fans, given the fact that he was a failure of a head coach here. But the defense is playing poor. It was playing poor to close last season, too. Uh, that's what the data says. But uh, it's playing bad again. And Vance is going to get a lot of the blame for that. And he deserves a lot of the blame for it, too. Colby C. Collier says Sean's in charge, not Vance Joseph. Coach needs to lay into him if need be. I wouldn't be surprised if there's already been some laying into going on there with Vance Joseph and the coaches. I think uh, probably not super duper happy with how things have played out uh, through the first two games. I mean, it's very obvious and it's actually well known. Sean Payton's not one to mince his words. Um, he, he may, he may like he may coach speak to the media and, but behind the scenes, I have no doubt in my mind that he's laid into Vance Joseph about it. I'm pretty sure that he's laid into him a little bit on the sidelines when the cameras weren't looking. Um, I have no doubt that there has been multiple conversations um, this week alone between Sean Payton and Vance Joseph. We have Troy coming in with another $9.99 donation says, Hey guys, with big time college players getting paid, any chance this will be a terrible year to have high draft picks. Put differently, will the Arizona strategy with two high picks backfire? It certainly can. Um, it's always hard to say because... Some years that we've looked and oh, the draft has looked a little bit weak. They've produced some good players, especially at the top. Um, other years, strong years, well, that ended up being weak. So it's, I mean, it's a crapshoot. It's their lottery tickets. 
um, Arizona's in a position where they have to. Like, they have to take those shots. They have to go after and find themselves a quarterback who can hopefully be an upgrade over Kyler Murray, and they still need so much more talent on that roster that is devoid of talent all over the place. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I mean, the players are getting more power with the NIL situation now, and they can be a little bit more dictating where they like to go. Uh, And I think Caleb Williams is the caliber of prospect that I think he actually can pull that weight around a little bit uh, and get back and still get paid. I mean, that USC market, I'm sure he is getting some big time NIL money there. So if he wants to say, if you, if Arizona, if you're drafting me, I'm not going there, uh, then I'm honestly for it. I'm power to the players. Uh, that's maybe that'll bite the Broncos in the butt at some point, but you know, I don't think it's always the most fair. If you are the top guy, you should have a little bit of say on that, but you know, it's going to be interesting to follow how the NIL impacts these players coming in and going out. Uh, we've already had the uh, pandemic kind of quarterback stuff happening here where a lot of these quarterbacks are older and prospects are older. I think this is the last year of that, but I mean, a lot of these guys are ancient. I mean, Cam Rise, especially in the Pac-12, Cam Rising, Michael Penix, uh, Bo Nix, those, those guys have been in college since, God, it feels like 2018, uh, 2017. So uh, we'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I still think, you know, it's not going to have like too dramatic of an impact. Uh, you're going to find out a lot about these guys earlier, which I think is a good thing in terms of their maturity and ability to handle fame and fortune. You know, it's not just now a guy coming from Lord knows where and all of a sudden he makes a lot of money and it's he's, you know, not focused anymore. They're going to have money uh, before that. So that's a, you'll have an idea about that. Also, I'm pretty happy about the NIL and its impact on, running backs that's been a very unfair thing and now the running i mean you could argue that running backs an elite running back in college football maybe is more valuable than almost anything else uh for a singular season i mean it's, it's still even college is still passing league but uh going to be fun to see how it plays out and uh i'm i'm fascinated to see what happens with nil i mean shader sanders in a normal uh situation before nil he's probably coming out now he might stick back a year because there's no way he's going before caleb williams I know this is a pro Colorado chat for the most part, but stop it. Uh, but uh, unless Caleb does something really stupid or gets hurt, but uh, Shudder maybe goes back and gives himself a chance to be number one overall pick in 2025 then. So going to be fascinating to watch and see how that impacts the draft and the entire landscape of football in America as a mm-hmm. whole. And one thing that you touched on is the, you know, the maturity. There's a lot of issues with guys. They go to the NFL, they get that big contract and they make a lot of boneheaded mistakes financially and everything um one thing when i was talking with somebody about it that absolutely loves the nil for college players is because it's helping them teach um a little give them a little bit earlier access to more fiscal responsibility um with everything with it and everything that comes with that helping them be a little bit more mature more mature when they're getting to um when the the college or the nfl guys start talking to them and interviewing them and all that he says he's really happy. So he's really happy for that. And so that he believes that once we really start seeing, you know, all this and I, and money start working for the college players as coming to the NFL, 
that we'll see less of these guys getting into trouble leading up to the draft and you know during their rookie year there's still going to be those guys but he thinks that he's a firm believer in it because of uh, what it's going to help teach these guys um so nick obviously lance and i we always do matchups favorable matchups for each side of the ball um just this week it's to me when i looked at both teams it was like both both teams have the same favorable matchups on both sides of the ball for me it's both teams' edge rushers should have a favorable matchup against the other team's tackles, and their wide receivers should have a favorable matchup against the other team's corners. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. It will be fun to watch the Broncos. Hopefully, edge rushers have a favorable matchup in this game, even though they haven't really stood up so far in the first two matchups. But Miami's, I mean, Toronto Armstead has been missing time with the injury. Uh, you've had Isaiah Wynn and Liam Eichenberg rotate there at left guard. And uh, Lamb, I think, is the the guy who's come in and played a uh, tackle there at uh, for left tackle with Trauma Armstead out. Uh, at right tackle, also, you got Austin Jackson, former first-round pick who from USC, talking about USC, who hasn't really uh, been all that great there. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, rumors about moving on from him, trading him. But uh, the Broncos, this is a favorable matchup for them. Uh, they're going to need to win their matchups more than they have. I'm curious to see if Vance Joseph will play like week one where he, I mean, they still blitz the fourth highest rate in the league, but uh, blitz a lot or see if they can bet on getting home with four to kind of keep guys a little bit deeper, a little bit uh, safer, especially now that you're without Justin Simmons on the back end. Maybe you're even more conservative with the safeties specifically, not necessarily cornerbacks, but the safeties. Also, I thought the Patriots had pretty good uh, success last week uh, with some inverted cover two looks out there um, from their defense. It was overall, I think pretty successful. They didn't win, but I don't think it was at the fault of the defense. So uh, edge rushers getting after it. I'm also looking to specifically try to target the left side of the line. If I can, just cause they've surrendered the most pressures through two weeks. Maybe you can work a little bit of twist and stunt in there. Maybe this is a drew Sanders uh, one where you can, you know, do some overload kind of blitzes and work on that left tackle and left guard. Uh, but that seems to be really the only spot where the Broncos can hopefully take advantage of the, uh, that game and i think also you live with what the patriots did last week dolphins ran the ball excellently i mean just from an efficiency perspective they were killing the patriots but you're not probably getting killed in that sense with the run game that probably means not blitzing as much uh that probably means you know two is going to have some time and you're hoping that your guys win up front i don't know if the broncos got the horses to do that but you might want to live with that so that you're a little bit more conservative with the bodies in the back end so you can be more aggressive with the corners on the boundary yeah, for me, um, Karen Armstead, obviously if Lamb is playing, that's a, that's a big weakness for them. Big reason why they wanted to go get Taron Armstead is because of how much of an upgrade he would be for one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL last year. Uh, he's questionable for the game. Um, saw a report saying that he's questionable with a more likely chance to play than last week. Almost played last week. Um, just decided to just give him a little bit more rest. So that's a bit concerning. But Austin Jackson, he's been he's he's an athlete still playing football a lot of his technique is still extremely problematic and for me this is a game where frank clark wasn't great in week one but not having frank clark with what he brings does hurt the edge room a little bit this is one where i'm looking at getting jonathan cooper against austin jackson a little bit because then you could try to take advantage of that technical issues instead of him being able to rely on his athleticism against somebody like randy gregory or um nick benito uh, so that's definitely where I'm at. And then the inside, like that Miami inside line is pretty solid. Connor Williams has been 
a pretty solid center. And Robert Hunt has been an absolute, I don't want to say monster, but he's been really good for them. Um, so I'm hopefully we get more out of Zach Allen this week. This just isn't a week that I think he's got a, you know, a great matchup in front of him. Yeah, it will be interesting to follow uh, to see what happens with that interior offensive line. I mean, I like DJ Jones, but I feel like he's been just meh so far this season. I mean, not as good as last year. Uh, so hopefully, I mean, just two game sample size. It's not completely over yet for them. Um, other than that, I mean, the real question is how do you slow down Tyree Kill and if Waddle plays? Again, we talked about it to stop to start. Get aggressive with uh, Hill, especially if Waddle is out, and then make Tua get to his second and third read. And if he beats you that way, you know, you live with it. But I think this is a game that uh, I can't imagine the Broncos being as aggressive as they were last week with the Blitz. And I am also curious to see if Vance Joseph backs down from the Blitz as much because. My God, Eric, they must have just like, they must have had the Broncos radio feed or something because every time they sent pressure, it was a perfect screen call. It felt like at least, I mean, they're just killing them. Uh, and I think that's almost too easy uh, for the Dolphins this week, given their lack of weapons uh, on the boundary if Waddle is out. Uh, so I think I'd probably, again, be a little bit more conservative with that when the Broncos are on there. And again, you got to make some turnovers. I don't know if that means getting Riley Moss out there. I mean, he's been a turnover guy. You're missing Justin Simmons, but zero turnovers for two games. It's been way too long uh, without that. Without one turnover. Which one was that? Kareem Jackson's interception in the end zone. You are correct. Excuse me. Um, good call. Uh, still not not enough, um, but uh, you're right. One turnover there. That was probably should have won them the game. Uh, but uh, yeah, they got to take the ball away too. Yeah. So... Colby C coming in when the pass rush wasn't working, we kept trying and trying and got crushed. So it's a double-edged sword. That's really all things in football. You're, you're trying something. If it doesn't work and you stick with it, you're probably not going to do well against the Raiders. And this isn't like trying to slam the offense or Russ Wilson or anything like that. They stuck with the quick passing game that wasn't doing enough. And they ended up losing the game. They couldn't find the explosive plays. Well, then against the commanders, they found the explosive plays, but then they had them taken away. And they just couldn't get anything to work. So definitely it's a double-edged sword as it is with anything in football, really, when you look at it. And there is one comment here going to the wide receivers that I wanted to grab from K-Hop. I'm tired of not seeing Sutton and Judy get a chance to go for 50-50 balls. We remember the last time it happened. I'd say 50-50 balls aren't Jerry Judy's strong suit. Mm -hmm. He's definitely a guy you want to get him, get him the ball with a little bit of space, get him the ball quickly and let him do a little bit afterwards or use him to attack intermediate where his route running can help set up coverage and get him favorable leverage to where you can hit him and get that kind of explosive play out of him. Cortland Sutton, his efficiency with 50-50 balls has taken a big hit since his injury. Um, part of that is be maybe because that he's just not getting the opportunities as much, but when he is, he's still just not coming down with them at a super great percentage. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Chase comes with the interesting question. Has there been much of a drop-off from Deshaun Williams to Jonathan Harris? I would say yes, absolutely. Harris Williams, who I thought was uh, specifically Astros, you know, tough on him because of the for Draymond Jones coming in. He's not Draymond Jones, but I thought, you know, the, to close the season last year, he had a few really good games overall, and Harris has been not really much of a factor out there from what I've seen. He's been okay uh, from what you're expecting, probably not starter quality, but I think there's been, there has been a drop off from Deshaun Williams to Jonathan Harris. 
see for me is I don't disagree, but with what we were getting from Deshaun Williams to start last season, we're getting a better start out of Jonathan Harris this year than we got out of Williams last year. Um, it's still a drop off because Williams finally started to pick it up about, I want to say like week eight or nine, he really started to, uh, play better, um, just overall and really start doing better as a pass rusher run defense was still problematic. Jonathan Harris, I'd say there's actually been an upgrade there from between the two of them when it comes to run defense, but not enough to, um, not enough to, you know, flip the fact that it's a huge drop off in their ability to get after a get after the quarterback from that defense or that defensive line. Todd Ossendorf comes in and says, I wonder how different things would be if we had Rex Ryan as our DC instead of Vance Joseph. Um, oh, there's so many jokes I want to make with this one. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll just pass. I'll, instead of making the jokes, Nick, I'll pass it off to you. I don't know if, I mean, it's hard to say Rex Ryan has been out of coaching football for a bit. Now he's obviously still a part of the game and has connections in the league and he watches the game. So it's not like, you know, completely out of it, but I think things would probably be similar towards the production on the field, but we'd have a lot more sound bites and uh, flamboyant stuff to focus on, on the sidelines. There'd be a lot more theatrics going on right now. And also somebody that, I think Vance Joseph will play. Uh, he will be quiet, you know, and uh, do what needs to be done with Sean Payton, where there could be more issues. Uh, if the defense was struggling like this uh, with Rex Ryan, you might see some more inflammatory kind of stuff going on there. So that, I think that'd probably be a biggest difference. Only week two. Um, but I mean, from coverage wise, you'd still see an aggressive front, a team that's out there trying to get it. And I don't think Vance Joseph is getting a lot of flack, but I'm just, I'm not impressed with the talent on the defense and some of that is coaching. I mean, not that he deserves blame, but I'd say it's probably 60% the talent and the personnel on the field instead of coaching. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit yesterday on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Now Twix. My issue is when I, when I watch this defense, it's like the guys who are, you know, the known talents on this defense don't seem to be playing at outside of Sertan, be playing at the level you expect them like you, you want out of them. And to me, that does fall a little bit on Vance Joseph. A lot of it is, you know, they just like talent. They lack depth. And a lot of the depth is getting the, hitting the field a lot already because of injuries and being as banged up as they are on defense already. Um, So I think that I, I I'm with you. I probably go 55% personnel and 45% Joseph, just because like there were multiple times over the two games where Justin Simmons just seemed lost a little bit. Um, there was times where uh, Josie Jewell wasn't seemed to be unsure of what he was supposed to be doing, just issues like that. Um, I think that the defense actually would be, I don't think it would be significantly better. I do think that it would be a little bit better than it is if we had Rex Ryan, just simply because Rex Ryan got for multiple years, got a lot out of some defenses that didn't always have the best talent, especially up front because of what he did with his looks to get pressure and everything. One thing I will say that a potential Rex Ryan de defense would have, and we're, you know, we're speculating, but this defense yeah. feels bland, I guess, yeah. in terms of dogs and personality and fire. I mean, it just feels like they've kind of like laid down, you know, Jerry worm through two games uh, so far this season. Just, you know, not a lot of stuff other than cream Jackson. And that's to the point of, 
questionable. It's always that fine line, right? But uh, I think you probably have a little bit more uh, chutzpah uh, if you had yeah. Rex Ryan out there from the defense, uh, specifically in that front. I mean, who are the guys that are out there? You know, we need some like some Trent Williams s you know punching face mask stuff. You know, within reason, being smart. But I just I feel like everybody's kind of you know playing too uh, a little too nice on that side, especially in the defensive trenches. And K Hop coming in. Where's Travis Encombe? Not sure, but Thomas Encombe, uh, he's played two snaps. Um, got penalized on his second one and got pulled from the game, and that was it. He's done all right on special teams for the little bit he saw the field on special teams, but. I mean, he's very clearly the very bottom guy on the depth chart at edge. Um, and they were getting good stuff out of Cooper and Benito and Randy Gregory has all that money. Um, so they're just sticking with the rotation of three they have there. And I would be surprised if we see Drew Sanders start getting a little bit of time there as well to help balance it out um, and help get him on the field. Because for me, with Drew Sanders, I think the biggest thing for him at this point is getting him on the field. Sure, there's technical stuff that he needs to develop and everything and improve on. But for me, the biggest thing, even coming out of college, was that he just needed the live reps working as a linebacker and just continue to grow with picking things up and improving his ability to make reads. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Did want to give a shout out to our guy Patrick Wiltsey out there on Honolulu, a supporter of the morning shows of this Lion Coffee. God, man, he's sponsor of my days <laughs> most days with uh, that lion coffee. So uh defense needs to quit playing not to lose. Vance Joseph seems to be great at projecting that thought process. Yeah. And more Vance Joseph talk uh, since Vance Joseph's on the hot seat. Now, I think we will see more guys in rotation until he finds the players that step up. Believe he'll be way more aggressive in it's blitzing and coverages. I mean, the Broncos have been blitzing a lot. It's just been kind of, you know, off cover three. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. They don't have the, I don't have my access to the, conglomerate data sets anymore that show the coverage uh nfl got kind of pissed about that i think uh with whoever was posting that so it got taken down but from what i've seen it's been a lot more a cover three kind of looks there uh so you can pair that with some aggressiveness in the blitzing i'm not sure what that looks in the coverages uh patriots did a lot more like i said inverted cover two when i watched them uh last week having a a beer after uh, hiking all those miles uh, at the hotel but uh yeah i know it was uh, it'll be interesting to see what vance joseph does with the cover three kind of looks, you're seeing a lot more off coverage on the boundary. Uh, that's one reason I think Mathis has been struggling some more. I feel like he's a little bit better, even though he had all the penalties, but a little bit better if he can establish contact early versus having to react. But that's one reason that maybe Riley Moss can be a good uh, fit for that. Cause he played almost exclusively uh, off coverage at Iowa. And that's one reason he was so good on breaking on the ball and creating all those pick sixes and turnovers. So well, we'll see that. That seems like an obvious spot where you might see a rotation uh, I'm not sure what you are rotating or what you can do about the defensive line talent. There's not, I don't really see reinforcements coming in up front there. Yeah. I mean, I think they, there's still a couple free agents out there that you could look at, but they've just every step of the way, they've just seemed perfectly fine to continue rolling with the guys that they have on the defensive line. I mean, not to cut uh, you off real quick, but like you're Owen two and you're <laughs> in the red next year for cap spent expenditures. I mean, is it even a smart idea to, pull away from that rollover that you're going to have to be further in the red next season when you're the direction you're heading right now. I mean, not giving up, but like you are then taking away from the ability to add next season when you do, if you would bring in somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the, for me, stuff like that, I don't, I mean, I wasn't expecting not like a large deal or anything like that. That would eat up most of it, 
but it all kind of like balances out in the end. I mean, we're already looking at a bunch of guys who have a chance to get, you know, raises their performance enhancers um, that they'll get. And that's going to eat at what the Broncos cap space and even with what they have to roll over. Um, my thing is, is with some of these guys that on the defensive line, just in general, they're still relatively young. So I would be looking at them to see maybe they are a guy that we could look at next year and part ways with some of the more expensive guys that we have. A little bit harder to do on the defensive line with Zach Allen. I mean, you're not going to be able to move on from him this year. Uh, but DJ Jones, like maybe you start looking at a couple guys for replacing him. Two games in, not saying that's what you do at the moment. He can definitely recover. It just hasn't been – he hasn't been worth the money at this point um, outside of last year. But Randy Gregory, maybe you can look at some young edges um, that have some NFL experience, as especially with Frank Clark being hurt. Um to be add to your rotation a little bit, like just things like that. But I definitely see where you're coming from and rolling over your, the cap is going to be a huge bonus for the Broncos, even though they can easily get out of their cap issues with a couple cuts that I'm fully expecting um, to happen. I mean, I don't think that we'll have the, you know, Tim Patrick, Colton Sutton. I definitely think at least one of them's gone. Garrett Bowles's contract, like Justin Simmons contract. They're going to make Justin- moves, but you're still taking away the pie from next year and yeah, a season yeah, yeah, yeah. that is like already looking like, like if you were like two and oh, but having those issues, then like go for it. Right. And, but, but right now I think it's still a little early. Like let's say the Broncos going to win streak the next three and they somehow win and you're still having those issues, but you're winning games. All right, let's, let's talk, let's giddy up. But right now I think you probably need to sit with the guys that you have and then see where this, the season goes before you start making and taking away from that uh, potential rollover. Personally, my thing is, is, my thing is, is with that is you are four points away basically from being two and oh, and that maybe having that little bit of improvement there could have been, you know, enough to at least get you over the hump against the um, Washington Commanders or against the Redskins to at least be one and one. Um, so you're it's not like they were getting blown out both games, if they're getting blown out, I'd 100% agree with you. Um, but the results are the results, and those are the they two, are two of your four most winnable games. This they season. are, and and the thing and the point is, is like we saw the defensive line get absolutely no pressure, mm. um, in both games. So maybe if you can go find a guy who can help bring a little bit of pressure, that can be enough of a difference maker to have potentially flip those games, and as a result, maybe potentially keep some of those games in the future from being a loss. So it's not resigning to the fact that they're just oh and two it's just looking at a little context that goes context that goes into it and potentially you know looking at that move before you have to completely resign yourself to we got to save money um that's just kind of that's just kind of where i'm looking at it with um as for going back to mr roush's uh question here thank you for the donation again by the way um for being more aggressive i don't see how you can be more aggressive as vance joseph with his blitzing um specifically i mean he's blitzing almost 50 percent of the time and they're getting pressures on like less than 20 percent of the of dropbacks um so it's super inefficient blitzing um and i think in coverages i think the biggest thing is watching them it was so frustrating to watch especially against the commanders i am so annoyed with how bland everything is in the coverage like especially against somebody like sam howell where you want to disguise things a little bit more it was pretty obvious. The reads were extremely obvious. Jimmy Garoppolo is a little bit more difficult. He's been seen a lot, and he's 
a smart quarterback. Um, but against Sam Howell, with how bland it was, how easy it was to read, that was just extremely frustrating. I'd like to see more disguise with the coverages. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I just unplugged my headset here. So uh, if you're talking, then I don't have any idea. I uh, did want to talk uh, before we finish up the show. Uh, the more interesting side here, the Broncos offense uh, versus we haven't even done that. We did both the, the yeah. defense there, um, but the Broncos offense versus the uh, Miami's where we can take advantage of Broncos offense versus Miami's defense and where uh, Miami's offense can take care of the Broncos defense or take advantage of. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of touched on the Miami Dolphins offense a little bit, especially if Jalen Waddle plays. Um, if they if Jalen Waddle doesn't play, I think that they I think that looking to run the ball a little bit and help create those like help pull a safety down, help create those shots and open those possibilities for Tyreek Hill. Um, that to me is would be what they what I would be looking at to do with them. As for Denver, I kind of in a way, stick with what you're doing. Just commit to the run a little bit more. This is a team that is averaging 160.5 yard rush yards allowed over two games so far. They have really struggled against the run. They have a really good defensive front um, when getting after the quarterback. It's not just Bradley Chubb. It's not just Chris, uh, Christian Wilkins. It's not just Jalen uh, Phillips, who's expected to play after missing last week. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, or Ginkle, however you say his name, he's been pretty good for them. They have another defensive lineman, Zach Zeeler who's got like five pressures in this thing, and he's playing really good football for them. And there's another guy on their defense that's also like part of the rotation that's being really effective. Emmanuel so they have some guys. Hmm? They got Emmanuel Agba. He's not the he's not the guy I was thinking of. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's a good player as well. Um, I'll have to see if I can't find who it was. Um, but no, he's like, they have a pretty good front. And I would say that they're not commander's level but if you're looking at top 10 defensive fronts you know defensive line and edges they're definitely in the top 10 for me like this this defensive front is really good especially getting after the quarterback yeah and i agree with you 100 percent uh the chargers two weeks ago had one of the one of the top 10 most efficient run games that we've seen in the last decade and from a, from a success rate perspective and the EPA per play. Now, granted it's very small sample size. I always have to add that caveat through two games, but EPA per uh, rush attempt right now from the uh, Dolphins defense is 0.161. That's almost twice as bad as the Raiders at 0.82. So, I mean, typically you see most teams in the league have, negative epa per play against the run um, because it's more efficient to pass the ball when you have elite quarterbacks and explosive plays but they have been dreadful uh through the uh stopping the run through the first two games and it kind of comes back to protecting russ again uh, so that negative or see that 0.161 i mean last year wasn't even anybody close to that in terms of the epa uh, output so they've been horrible stopping the run that's kind of a a trademark of the Vic Fangio defense, right? Getting bodies back there and you live with the run game. Well, that's one that you better damn well take advantage of it then. Uh, and we haven't seen the Broncos take advantage of it enough through the first two weeks. So hopefully they can do that, protect Russ, punch him in the mouth, protect their tackles against, you know, Bradley Chubb, who again, coming off a very good game against the Patriots last week and hopefully get some explosives from those runs as well. That means somebody has got to make somebody miss. Maybe this is how you get the Jaleel McLaughlin more involved because he can make people miss. Uh, but the run game needs to step up and take advantage of that matchup because they've been really, really poor through the first two weeks. 
Yeah, and like we we're talking about earlier, double edged sword. That can be a double edged sword though for the Broncos too. Like you got to be able to eat the clock and you want to keep the ball out of the Miami Dolphins offense's hands. But with how quickly that offense can score, especially if Jalen Waddle is is on the field, can being can the run game be enough to commit to and keep yourself in the game? Or will you just basically slowly run yourself to a loss? That's uh, certainly possible. Also, just kind of taking a lesson from last week, if you get behind early, do not abandon the run game. There's a yeah. lot of game left. You have drives to be had. I'm guessing this game is not going to play out like the crazy Raiders one where it was whatever, like seven possessions and six possessions. There'll be, you know, 11 to 13 out there. Don't abandon the run. You should be able yeah. to run against this Dolphins team. You need to protect your tackles. You need to protect the quarterback because uh, he got teed off on last week. Again, some of it his fault. Uh, but I think that all leads to, you know, being very emphatic and direct with your run game usage. Yeah, definitely. And with that, I mean, the Raiders game, they had 22 rushing attempts. And I can't remember what the total was against the commanders. They can't, as you said, they can't abandon it. You got to stick with it, especially when your quarterback is getting hit as much as he is, especially in a game where even though it was ineffective, how little they ran after they were up 21 to three and even 21 to 14 to start the second half was just mind boggling to me um, that they just slowly let the, I mean, this is on the defense. They let the Washington commanders come back into it, but the offense wouldn't go back to the run that sure. It wasn't super effective, but you weren't doing anything in the passing game either. And you were just basically allowing that defensive front to tee off on your older quarterback. Um, that his body at some his body can't take it at this age like at some point if you keep letting that happen we're going to be seeing uh jared stidham start a game uh which is just not something we want whatsoever um so stick with the run like you built your offense to be a bully ball offense look for that and help use that help pull those safeties and just try to find the deep shots off that like Obviously, that's not all you can do. You still need a little mix it in. And another thing is, stop with the screens. This team can't run them. Yeah, they're too pretty terrible in the screens. Uh, Russell Wilson's accuracy in the quick game and the short game, just the placement uh, is doesn't maximize yak, even though the percentages have been there. If there's an, uh, an advanced stat, you know, for like correct ball placement or something, he's asking a little bit too much of his receivers sometimes in those quick pass games when it should be, you know, a layup. And also you just don't have the movement skill from the offensive line to take advantage of that. Also the blocking from the tight ends and wide receivers hasn't been as good as you'd hope for that kind of thing. You need all those things to work for the screen games. I mean, watching Washington do it was a night and day difference from what we've seen from Denver uh, so far this season. So a good screen, especially against a really overly aggressive defense can be a good tool, not expecting an overly aggressive defense from pressure from Vic Fangio, and uh, you don't really have very good personnel to run it. Yeah. Like, and we can go in and I could talk for an hour about the, all the issues with the screen game from Lloyd Cushenberry to ben, uh, ben Powers to Quinn Miners to Russell Wilson to the receivers. You touched on a little bit of everything there, so we don't have to. But we also are at our time limit for the night. I want to thank you guys for joining us. I want to thank you, Nick, for stepping in on somewhat short notice. Fortunately, Lance, you know, let us know Monday instead of, you know, the day prior that he wasn't going to make it like he has in the past. Uh, shame on Lance for that. But uh, thank you thank you for joining us, or joining me. Um, it's always great chatting with you. Can't wait to meet you in person. I've known you for, what, nine years now? 
too long. <laughs> too long. Longer than I, than we'd both like, you know. Um, but no, I'm excited to meet you in person and everything. And uh, can't wait for the meet and greet October 22nd against Green Bay Packers. Hope to see a lot of you guys in the chat there as well. And I'll pass yeah. it off to you to do all the closing stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate Greg saying, saying, appreciate the picture I posted on X, but too close to the uh, ledge for me. Yeah, it was about a 2,000 foot drop, you know, whatever. I was looking down there. It's fine. Um, heights, you know, my feet were flat on the ground. That's when it doesn't bother me so much. So I did see somebody had an accident on Half Dome yesterday. So that's a little bit uh, scary, but I was smart. I was up and down. It was fine. Uh, but make sure you guys, I had a thank you for having me on the show and uh, make sure you guys are following. Eric and myself on Twitter or X or Twix or whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, Eric is at Eric trickle. I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you're following us at DVDD pod. Is that what it is? It's off the top. DVDD of underscore pod. There's an underscore. Okay. It's Chad took them off the, uh, the banner. <laughs> so now I just, I have to have the other ones memorized, but not the other shows. Also follow us at mile high huddle. Also, if you are joining us on Facebook today or have a Facebook, join our Facebook communities, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. Uh, as the banner says underneath here, if you're joining us on YouTube, which is the number one way to listen and hang out with us on these uh, morning and evening shows, make sure you subscribe to mile high huddle over on YouTube, like the show, like this show specifically and share it on your social media platforms. Maybe you learned something. Maybe you got a good joke. Maybe you want to share it just because we're a couple idiots. I don't know. Uh, whatever works for you. I won't shame you. Uh, let's see if shame me. I don't care. Especially if you're going to drop a super chat and speaking of superstars and super chats, Facebook stars, from Michael Ronquillo saying a thousand. God bless you, Michael. We appreciate you. Came in a few times earlier as well. Troy Bauer came in twice. We appreciate you, Troy, so much. I mean, 18, 98 is a uh, that's a good time for us. Uh, that's that's beer money tonight. Gary Palmer, appreciate you coming in. Naj as well. Addison Rychek coming in. I'm sure there's a few others, Eric, on the, on the Facebook side that I might be missing. Yeah, Facebook's always hard, especially when we don't have you know Scott in the background to uh, help run things because we don't have Facebook up and we can't see Facebook stars on here. Um, Phil is another one, of course, yeah, that Phil. always comes in with their support. So. So thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys for all the super chats. We will be back. Well, I'll be back next week. Nick will be on what? Monday morning. Yeah, when you're yes, on next? Sir. Yep. Yes, um, maybe Lance will be back next week. Who knows? He's a man of no mystery whatsoever, but uh, thank you guys for joining us. Have a wonderful night. Stay safe this weekend. And of course, go Broncos. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson.